Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. I'm Heidi DeRoe, and this is The Mixed Experience. It's a weekly podcast about a mixed chick's mixed thoughts about a mixed-up world coming at you live every week, this week twice. Today is October 4th, 2016, and I have another fantastic guest on today. I hope you checked in and listened to my talk with Lori Tharps from yesterday about her excellent new book. Uh, Today, we get to talk to Matt Johnson about his incredible new book, Loving Day, which was just released in paperback. But of course, first, I have a couple of announcements. One is I have this labor of love. It's called the Mixed Remix Festival, and it happens every June in Los Angeles. You can go to www.mixedremix.org and learn more about it. It's an arts festival to share stories about the mixed race and multiracial experience through films, books, and performance. We've set our date for next year, June 10th, 2017. It's the 50th anniversary of the Loving the Virginia decision. So we're planning to have a really great celebration of this, and we hope you'll join us. We've also just opened our submissions period if you'd like to be considered to be a panelist or a reader or a workshop leader for the festival. Submissions are open on the website now. Please go check it out. Uh, Number two, We are actually doing another podcast today. So it's not this podcast, but it's the new podcast of the Mixed Remix Festival. We are doing an online book club, and our first book, in fact, is Loving Day by Matt Johnson. So if you would like to join us, we'll be doing that live discussion, myself and Jamie Moore, and any of you who call in or chat in today at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We'd love to hear from you. We want to make sure you're reading this book. It's fantastic. So let me move on to what we're here for today, which is this amazing writer uh, and friend, Matt Johnson. He's the author of the novels Loving Day, Pin, Drop, and Hunting in Harlem, the nonfiction novella The Great Negro Plot, and the comic book Incognito and Dark Rain. He's a recipient of the United States artist James Baldwin Fellowship, the Hurston Wright Legacy Award, the Barnes & Noble Discover Great New Writer Selection, and the John Dove Passes Prize for Literature. He's currently a professor at the University of Houston Creative Writing Program. I know he has a lot of other stuff on his plate that we're going to be asking him about, too, but I am pleased as punch to welcome Matt Johnson to the show. Hi, Matt. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I have to ask this question. Um, you probably have a million different answers for it, and they're all right, but what are you? Oh, uh, what am I today? I'm tired. <laughs> um, uh, I hear you, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, ethnically, racially mixed. Um, I, I'll I'll leave it at that. That's not really much of an answer. It's that's sort of a obfuscation, but that that's fine for now. I think they all the answers are right, and I and they change all the time. I know they do for me. I, I think I could have come up with the I'm tired answer today too. Um, today I wanted to talk 
a lot about your new book that just was released in paperback, Loving Day. Uh, man, you, you really scored with this book, which has been exciting. It was a notable book for the New York Times. It got crazy great book reviews as it deserved. And you have called it your coming out as a mulatto. What did you mean by that? Um, I, I never had talked directly about um, about mixed race experience, about my, my mixed race perspective. And uh, I'd always, I think, it, 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 in a lot of my work, it had been there, but it was more in the kind of the sidelines, um, or it was impacting the work, but not in an explicit way. And so I wanted to kind of hit it head on, and I wanted to also try and hit it in a way that I hadn't seen done before. Uh, there's been some some really great work uh, done around it um, in literature, but um, but I thought it was an opportunity to try something different and to try um, focusing on a group identity as opposed to individual identity, which which most uh, mixed race stuff does, and also to come in with a, a masculine perspective. Well, what I love about the book also is this idea that you're really dealing with group identity because it's hard to group us together. I mean, we're we're all different mixes. We're all coming from different places. And even when we're at the festival, you know, we, we have different takes on things. Um, and it, feels, it still feels fractured, right? Like, I, I think I leave the book and I leave the experiences I have in my life thinking – what exactly is this mixed thing? Um, did you feel like you came up with any answers, or was it just your desire to to go through this moment yourself as an artist and then let people fight about it going forward? Well, I, yeah, I always thought about mixed experience. The the one thing that everybody I know who um, is a part of it has in common is that it seems like everybody has a slightly different idea about what it means to to be mixed or i mean we can't even agree on the word it's biracial uh, right mixed um you know and and um and and also i i'm one of the few defenders of the word mulatto because i think it it historically um means something that matters so matt i have to tell you you totally got me in trouble with that uh last week i was in denmark at the university of copenhagen and i was doing the keynote at this symposium, get this, that was a two-day conference about African-American culture and Denmark. Now, you can oh. imagine, like, I didn't even make up that conference, and <laughs> people are really talking about this. And, and the word came up, and people got really heated, and there was applause when someone said, can we get rid of that word? Why do you defend it? I, I tried to defend it, too, and I was shot down. I was like, wait, I'm the keynote. Be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I think it is a word that upsets a lot of people um, very quickly, and I and you know, and I respect that. I mean, I respect that that people get upset about it. I I don't respect the self righteousness about it. I don't respect this the kind of definitive. This is what this means thing because that's not that's not real. That's something that people come up with in their heads, and a lot of times the definitions that they have for it and the etymology they have for it, you know, the history of the word, isn't accurate. It's something that they've come up with to match their uh, their the feelings of discomfort with the with the word itself, and I think part of the reason the word is is uncomfortable is because of its history and what it's meant. Um, and you know, I understand that too, um, because there's, as you said, even within you know something like the the mixed remix thing, 
there's always people with very different ideas about what's going on, and there's no kind of uh, conclusive idea about it. But I've heard so many different false etymologies that it's specifically a word that, that's referenced from slavery, that it's specifically a word that, that, is, uh, that basically is linked to mule. And there's, you know, the, the primary evidence is that that's not the case. The primary evidence is that the word is actually has an Arabic root and, and basically means mixed ethnicities and dates back before the contemporary understanding of race. So, you know, when people come up with this kind of heated understanding of what this word means and they explain it to me and it's completely fallacious, it doesn't change my mind. I think the reason the word matters and the reason the word is, I think, has some value is because it's the only word that specifically talks about mixed uh, European and African uh, heritage. Um, it does the same thing that Hapa does for people who are mixed Asian and, and European or other things. And there's no other word that does that. And so when we say mixed, it's kind of ephemeral. It's talking about a lot of different groups, and every kind of mixture in America has a different, um, has a different historical connotation. Uh, and, and specifically, people you know, who, are, who come directly from this mixed you know, experience of, of white and black in this country have a very specific experience. Uh, that uh, that's that I think the word comes to, uh, and I will say this about the word too. Like I, it's brought up all these kind of arguments that I think have been really good to have, um, because uh, because I think out of that discomfort, um, you know, it actually challenges the way we think about identity, you know. And when we get comfortable about identity and our preconceived notions about identity, things tend to solidify in ways that can be peaceful but not always accurate. So, yeah, I'm going to keep fighting that fight. Um, <laughs> I think you should keep I, fighting you know, the fight, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the, 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 I, I really would, I would love for somebody to give me an explanation of it besides it doesn't make me feel comfortable. Like something that, you know, and I think that's, that's a, not a, a, an invalid point of view. This word makes me feel uncomfortable. But usually nobody says that. They come up with these reasons why the word uh, is, is uh, inappropriate. And they're these very definitive you know, this, how, you know, how dare you let, it means all these things. It doesn't mean anything aside from what a meaning we apply to it. So if we're, if we're talking about history of the word, then, then, you know, let's, let's have that discussion. But, you know, again, the history of the word isn't what most people think it is. Well, and so I, I tried to back it up and people said, well, no, we can't do that. And then I, I talked about a criticism I got because a lot of people asked me, why do you let so many monoracial people be at the festival? And then there was all sorts of criticism, criticism about me using the word monoracial. I said, well, wait a minute. You know, I was just quoting someone talking about monoracial. It, it's so... Um, well, yeah, all the language is barbed. There's not yeah, word there's nothing. There, there are no words. Like, we just need a whole new language for this. Well, and the other thing, we also need an attitude that isn't self-righteous. Because mm. what happens is uh, the immediate attitude is so self-righteous and, and so kind of offensive that, it, that the goal of it is not to actually, you know, discuss the ideas, but to shut down argument of, and, and discussion about what they are. And, you know, so that, I mean, I think that's the thing that annoys me more than anything else. Um, maybe I'm in a bad mood today. <laughs> I can tell. No. Well, so I want to, like, make sure people understand that you also have a generous view of this because you right, right. said in other interviews, no, you say, I'm, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm a satirist, and, you know, and I, and I appreciate humor. And I, but I don't appreciate, like, I've seen so many, like, self-righteous takes on, on, on this and, 
this is the way it is and and you know and they're almost winting in their in their you know their their kind of narcissistic self-righteousness about the the correctness of how they see the world and it just doesn't work that way you it know it sounds like I mean, you people... teach at a university Matt. <laughs> oh you know what honestly i don't see it at the university i see it in online and i see it you know at, at events I think there's nothing wrong with having a very specific idea about the word. Like some people will become furious when you say mixed, and there's some people who become furious when you say biracial, and they all have their reasons for doing it. But you know, a lot of the reasons they make sense, and you know, that's fine. But to, the idea of becoming furious and self-righteous about something that you know is really just a matter of opinion, and they're most and most of the time. It's an informed opinion. It's just a different opinion. And, you know, I've right. I've had people get upset about the word mixed, being you're basically saying mongrel. And I've had people get upset about biracial and the same old thing. Well, it's not about race, and it's not oftentimes even two race. When you say race or monoracial, any of that, you play into this false notion of race. So there's there's no way of talking about it that uh, that doesn't upset people who go into the discussion with a self righteous urge to uh, you know appropriate the the entire idea and say this is what it is this is all it is and anybody who doesn't agree with me uh is not only wrong um that they're they're doing you know harm and injustice in the world yeah i i feel like i keep trying to sidestep that terminology by saying the mixed experience the mixed race experience the multiracial experience as opposed to calling it a, a yeah. label for an identity because I think, That's and I know people disagree, but like my, my white mom is as much a part of this racial and cultural connection as I am. I mean, she doesn't have mixed blood, but she's connected to my experience. And so there's something in that story that she lives that is part of what I want to investigate in my writing and, and work. Yeah. And I'm, and uh, one of the things that I, I think I did come to at the end of this, I, I think I've sort of felt this before, but I felt it um, more concretely afterwards, is that like when I'm talking about the, the mixed thing, I'm talking about an experience, you know? Yes. When I'm, talking, when I'm using the word mulatto, I'm talking about an experience. I'm not talking about genetics, you know? I'm not talking about DNA. Um, I, you know, the, it, it, pretty close to almost every African-American genetically is, is a mixture of, of African and European, right? It's something like 87%, even the vast majority, yes. That's right? So um, if we're talking genetics, the entire African-American community is itself a mixed-race community, right? But I think what we're really talking about is an experience. So we're talking about people who um, ethnically were, or were in households where there was people who were coming from two different um, you know, ethnic groups in America. There was, there, we're talking about people who, for a variety of reasons, um, came to feel like they were part of different uh, worlds and part of different racial worlds. You know, so, I mean, but that's, to me, again, an experience. And, and as you said, like your, mother, your mother's been out there every year at the festival, and there's other people, husbands and, and wives and parents, yes. Who are part of this world, and and uh, and they're all you know uh, related into to this experience, and I think it's important to 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 go into that realm too because I think um, that makes it a lot less loaded too. You know, um, yeah. I get nervous when people start acting like what's well, this new thing and this new race and all, and that that. Oh that, dear uh, God, we have to me. stop them from doing that because we didn't yeah. start like becoming mixed race 
population in the 1960s with Barack Obama. Like, right, you know, right. we've been mixing since the beginning of America and, and from the beginning right. of time. So Right. And at the same time, there is a very specific experience that somebody can, will, will still have in this country if one of their parents is black and one of their parents is white. Right? Yes. It's not a genetic experience. Um, it's a cultural experience. And, and it's also a situational experience. You know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what the 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 uh, situations that that creates. So you know, and and those are very real, and uh, and that's why it you know matters to me in that sense. You know, is that like I couldn't kind of avoid it because of the way I look. I mean, I look very European, um, but I don't consider myself European, and, and because of that kind of contrast, I have to deal with that. So, Can I tell you, for years I was very confused that you didn't identify yourself as mixed. I, I thought, why doesn't he come out? <laughs> what is he, yeah. why does he well, talk I mean, about think, this more? I think it was like assumed when you saw me. So yes, of course. I didn't, yes. I didn't think it was like, you know what I mean, in that sense. But I, um, I kind of wasn't really directly interested in it at the time. But, you know, mm-hmm. you change and, and different things become different important, you know, have different importance at different times. And it wasn't that it wasn't important to me. It just wasn't, you know, as important to me as it became for a bit there. One of the things that, I mean, I've always loved your work. And I read Tim and I just, it blew my mind. I really think that you should have received the People's Pulitzer that year or the real Pulitzer. And, um, so I was like, well, what is he going to follow up with? And I was just so grateful when you sent me the manuscript of, Lo- of Loving Day, and I read it, and I thought, oh, my God, we need Matt's take on this because what is lacking and what you add to this in a tremendously important way is humor. Like, could we, like, friggin' laugh, people, about this? Like, could we not be tragic? Could we actually see what's funny in it and i think it was in an interview in salon you said mixed people my fellow mixed people don't tend as a group to have a great sense of humor about this stuff could you help us matt (laughs) no i I mean i think you can see you know as we just started with the mulatto discussion i mean i think that's a great example right there you know but there's it's it's uh I mean, I think, and I think there's reasons around it. You know, I don't think it's just that people are humorless, and I think probably a lot of people who are humorless on this subject might be full of humor in other aspects of their life. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the subject matter. You know, and I think there's a lot of pain around it. You know, I mean, and and particularly there's a lot of people who come from, you know, uh, who come from a mixed experience who it's just not really an issue to them. You know, they you know they're not hiding it, but it's just not a big deal the people who are kind of in the discussion are people who it specifically, you know, had a, a, a large emotional impact on their lives. So it, it's understandable that, in, in, you know, if it's something that, that, that it in part is, is about healing for them, that they would tend to be, you know, um, less able to laugh or less able to, to be more elastic, you know, about it. Um, you know, so I mean, so I understand it as a human. I understand it. You know what I mean? But, um, but I think you know. Again, I think one of the key things with this is is um, is being able to, you know, to laugh at yourself and not take yourself so seriously with this. And I think the discussion needs that because if you don't, the discussion just ends up being people, you know, like kind of just arguing over each other 
um, you know, vehement that their one way of looking at the world is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And yeah. It comes out of another part, like if you look identity identity in three parts, right? You have how you see yourself as one part. You have how the world sees you as another part. And then you have the actual like person-to-person genetic reality of who you are, right? So if you have all those three things working for you, race and I, the idea of race just, you know, oftentimes you're not really interested in. It's not affecting you, you know, because it's all in harmony. But if one of those things is off, then all of a sudden there's a lot of discomfort. So if everybody looks at you and thinks, you know, looks at you and says you're black and your parents are black and you don't consider yourself black, then there's disharmony. If everybody who, you know, is, you are, think of yourself as black, everybody around you thinks of yourself as black, but genetically you're not actually black, then you have a Rachel Dolezal situation, right? <laughs> so all those things, it has to be all three have to be there for them to be harmony. And the people who are in this discussion, it's self-selecting. It's not just mixed people, period. It's the, specifically the people who are in this discussion are people who one of those things is not is not in harmony, myself included, you know. Um, so because of that, there's there's oftentimes trauma. And so the discussions of it, you know, as you said, like, you know, discussions can get very um, kind of, you know, very rigid and and uh, and and very heated relatively quickly. Because the other part is that second part, like how the world sees you. That's what people are arguing about, you know, and that's why they're so heated because until everybody agrees with them on how, you know, they see themselves, um, then there's going to be discordance there. So online, in person, immediately those arguments um, get really involved because they don't just need to see themselves a certain way. They don't just need to have, you know, the, the, the parents <laughs> be a certain type. They also need you and everybody else to agree with them Oh, my God, that's such harmony. a good point. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, my first forays into expressing anger about the way the world saw me and, and going, you know, why why can't they see the experience of of my life as opposed to the way I look to people? You know, this is when I moved to New York and I realized I wasn't just an unknown variant. I was like anybody who was near me. So like I was Bangladeshi, if I was talking to Bangladeshis or Puerto Rican or Dominican, or I was whatever the the viewer wanted to see. And I remember being so frustrated and thinking, I just feel like I need to have a sign on me saying I am, you know, an African-American Dane, like step off. Right. but, yeah, what you're saying exactly speaks to that. It's not just that I wanted me to be me. I wanted everyone to agree to saying exactly how I said I was me. And um, and there is a lot of pain in that for people when there, when there's that discord. For, for, so to the book, Warren Duffy, he is already in a lot of turmoil at the beginning of the book. He's divorced. He's basically, like, hanging on a thread with his, career and, you know, financially. And, I mean, he's a wonderful character. And what I really love about this story, and you mentioned it at the top of the show, is that we're talking about a mixed-race man in literature. It it doesn't happen very often. Um, What did you hope that you could add to the literature and um, differentiate this story as opposed to, you know, the stories that we know about female 
biracial mulatto protagonist. I don't even know what yeah. word to use now. Well, there's there's enough male stories in the universe, <laughs> so on that part, like it wasn't. I don't know if it, everybody needed it. I just thought, like on this subject in particular, it was an interesting tool to get in, you know, to it, um, and uh, just the sense of that identity, and and also like, you know, this book was. I mean, I didn't talk about this for a long time, and I think like when I was younger, I was one of those people who's like constantly overcompensating for you know, the the way I looked so that I would be accepted uh, within the black community. And so I wouldn't talk about it. And I, I just like, not that, again, not that people didn't know, but it was just not an issue that I dealt with. So part of it was wanting to just dive directly into the issue in a really personal way. And and you hope, like, when you do that, regardless of what the topic is, that you can get closer into the art, you know, of it by doing that. So, yeah, so that that was the goal. And I mean, you start with that that idea of you know the idea I have a lot of times when I write is write about something that scares you, and it scared me at the time when I started to write about it. So I thought that's a great place because if you do that, you're going to create tension on the page, and and you'll actually come up with something interesting. The book didn't start off though as this learn this wish to learn more about how to talk about multiracial identity. It started off with. Um, this, the story of Warren, well, in the book, Warren discovers he has a teenage daughter that he didn't know about. Um, yeah. But, and, so, and so that was the starting off point. How did, how did the race stuff get in there? <laughs> well, I think the, um, I, I think, it's hard looking back and saying what, you know, what cell came next, you know, in, in this multi-cell organism. But I think part of what, what I wanted to do was have this character basically go back to his roots. Um, you know, and he's an expatriate that's forced to come back to the States. And then, you know, the other thing I wanted was to, um, was basically for him to kind of relitigate his, his racial identity, you know? Um, mm. And and so having a daughter who um, who was basically going to have to go through all those things that he went through um, in a more dramatic way because he's conscious of his his ethnic identity from birth, whereas she's kind of has it thrust upon her um, as a teenager. Um, but having um, him kind of relitigate it with her would allow him to deal directly with it. Um, and, you know, and that's, and that's what happened. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's, it was a really, it, it's funny because I started that book in I think 2007 and uh, it was at the time like I just it's basically didn't think about those things uh, in public, you know, and so to actually kind of deal with it on the page and deal with it in the world was was um, kind of jarring to me in a good way, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I'm and I'm glad I had the experience of it, but um, but yeah, I I just I usually don't start a book to have a discussion with anybody else but me. Like I hope if I'm talking <laughs> to myself and it's interesting enough that other people will join in. And and um and in part I do like hearing the reactions to the to the work, you know and and like and where I grew up basically even talking about about mixed race identity as its own identity was sacrilegious, and was basically, you know uh, was immediately seen as a rejection of blackness and an, a, chan- a chance to escape blackness, and I saw tons of examples you know of that so you know that idea was reinforced and it wasn't until later where I started 
looking at it differently and started thinking, no, this is an important, you know, thing I have to do to feel whole, you know, as opposed to like editing out a version of myself to project to the world. And, and so the, you know, the book helped me do that. And, and I think the people I thought I would annoy, I, I annoyed a lot of them. Um, but also <laughs> I think the world changed too in, in that time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has changed. You know, there there are more stories about this mixed experience that are being published. I w- wouldn't say all the time, but there are more of them. <laughs> there were almost none, and now there are more, which is great. Um, yeah, you, and since you, the 92 census, things have changed. I mean, there's an understanding yeah. of a mixed race identity that just didn't exist in the same way before. Well, I, I really believe still to this day that the reason I finally was able to get my book published was in part because of Barack Obama's candidacy. And the word biracial was in the newspaper every day. And suddenly, you know, when people read the manuscript, they're like, oh, this is a thing, you know? Right. They're like, oh, oh, okay. Wow, there's yeah. a biracial thing. Well, maybe this could sell, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, and and be around that you have you know The Rock and you have Malcolm Gladwell and you have Vin Diesel and and you have this kind of larger acknowledgement of a mixed race identity that that just wasn't there when I grew up, you know. Yeah. And and it makes makes things easier. I mean, people people like before people look at me like this odd creature, you know, who was ethnically black but but had you know pale skin, pale European skin, and now people just oh yeah he's mixed. And that's it. You know what I mean? It's, it's over. It definitely makes, again, that's, you know, fits into that thing of, of how you need to fit into society is having people kind of see and agree who you are. Yeah. So one of the things I keep trying to think about is this idea uh, of mulatto fatigue. It's what I call it, where you see lots of energy from young people or middle-aged people suddenly deciding, realizing they have permission to talk about these things. So they start blogs and websites and festivals and (laughs) they they keep going and then they, they burn out. Like it suddenly is not that important to them. Do you think that's where you are at this point in talking about (laughs) racial identity? Because you, you well, said I, in the interview that this is kind of a funeral, like you, you're, you're done. I, you know, you drop the well, mic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been working on a TV show version of this of the book for the past year. That's and, what uh, we also want to know more about. Yeah, and I was like, at some point, I was like, whoa! I thought I was out of here, and now I'm back. But there was <laughs> there was reasons to do that. I mean, that that you know, I could talk about. But yeah, I know. I think like all these questions of identity like that you can have, and this is just one of them, right? A lot of times people have this thing where, you know, they're, they're wearing these shoes that don't quite fit, and they have this realization that the reason they don't fit is be- in part is because of this one thing. And so you realize that you're actually gay or bisexual or whatever, or you realize that, you know, you don't want to do this type of work, you want to do some other type of career or you realize that the way you're identifying and feeling racially doesn't fit who you are. All these things are, you know, um, are these big changes that you can have. And people talk about midlife changes, but these happen all, all the time. The only difference with midlife crises is than these changes is that at midlife you can afford to really screw up your life, right? You have enough money <laughs> to do it. But people are doing this constantly, right? So you make that change, and just like when you have a pair of shoes and you, they don't fit really well, you put on another one that fit better, oh, it feels so great. It feels so great. And then you walk in those shoes for a while, 
And eventually, parts of, the, of those shoes will start to annoy you as well. So it's, you know, like I've met people, they came out of the closet when I was in my 20s, friends, and it was the most incredible thing. It solved everything. It was fantastic. And then a couple of years later, like, okay, I'm still miserable. Like I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving the right gender people, but I'm still miserable. So, you know, it's the same thing that happens with this. When the, the initial change seems bigger um, then it, in some ways it is. You get so excited about it, and it feels freeing, and it's exciting. But ultimately, you know, it's just one aspect of our identity. So it's very healthy, you know, and part of the process for you to come in and, you know, address this issue, and then when it's, and it feels good, you move on to other issues, or you, or you continue to evolve. So, you know, if you don't do that, that's the problem. You know what I mean? If you just get <laughs> latched on to one thing, you know, and, mulatto, and mulatto, mulatto, the, mulatto. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> then, then all of a sudden you become you kind of distorted, you know, and and you you're just focusing on one aspect of yourself. And it's not about you know putting yourself in a room and locking the door. It's about opening a door, you know, and yeah. being able to leave. Yeah. Well, so uh, so on that note, there's going to be a TV show uh, based on the book. Can you tell us? Well, I don't know about, about that. It? Well. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> okay, I'll we'll believe see. that when I see it on TV. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, we've been working on one. Yeah, that I mean that's fantastic. So there's no timeline at this point. No, no. I mean it's not like it's it's really it's been really really fun um, uh, working on it because it's it's a it's a very different type of writing, but also you know mostly similar, and uh, and it's a very different industry, you know, and and I. I just kind of had such a good time working in the last year um, with Showtime and, and Random House uh, Studio um, uh, with it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. We'll see what happens. Oh, I'm excited about it. And then any, is there a novel in the works? Are you working on the new book yet? Yeah, there's always a novel in the works. <laughs> it's like there's always it. homework. I know there's always homework. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm working on one right now, and it's about this. Uh, basically, it's about this space colony that's this multiracial, feminist, you know, uh, post-xenophobic, uh, polyamorous space colony. So, Sweet. yeah. So we'll see what see what comes out when it's done. That's awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for this amazing book. Um, I don't know if you heard at the top of the show. We're actually doing our online book discussion of the book today, um, the word on the street or the emails I'm getting is that everyone really loves it and it's just such a great way for the festival to kick off the online book club. So thank you for that too. And thank, um, you. And thank you for so much support over this year. I really appreciate it. Well, I, I love your work, man, and I just want to make sure that you keep writing more stuff and sharing these stories because you have this wonderful voice and you're incredibly talented and you're bringing the funny the stuff that's really painful, and that's really important. Good. All right. Well, if anybody starts beating up on you about the M word, you just send them my way. Okay. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. So that's the incomparable Matt Johnson talking about his book, Loving Day, which was recently released in paperback. You must, must, must get it. I think we kind of got off on a bunch of tangents there uh, that went away from the book. But you have to understand the book is 
excellent. Um, I threw it down when I finished reading it the first time just because I was mad I hadn't written it myself. It's a fantastic book. I know that you will love it, so pick it up. And if you want to continue the conversation today, uh, we uh, are doing a podcast now for the festival. And today at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, we'll be doing a community call-in. Just go on TalkShoe and look for Mixed Remix Festival, and you can click on and find out uh, how to join that conversation today. We'd love to have you. Uh, you can also go to www.mixedremix.org and look at Matt Johnson Loving Day, and there's more information there. Okay, guys, that's the show for today. I'm back again next week on Monday. Can't wait to talk to you then. I have more fantastic guests guests lined up. We even have a biracial magician coming up. I know. That's very exciting. Thank you for joining me. If you want to email me, Heidi at HeidiWDuro.com or Twitter at Heidi DeRoe. I'd love to hear from you. My name is Heidi DeRoe, and this is The Mixed Experience, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.